This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and milestones are fun. They're always fun whenever the greatest players in the sport hit great milestones, and Sidney Crosby did just that on Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening. As everybody basically expected, he scores his 500th goal. So we're obviously going to start there. We're going to break down that entire game. I have some words for Kasperi Kapanen. We always have shout-outs and call-outs, but there's only one place to start for a Pittsburgh Penguins podcast here on Thursday, February 17th, and that is the fact that Sidney Crosby joined the 500-goal club in the National Hockey League on Tuesday in his with his late first period tally on the power play. PPG paints erupted like it was 2017. Horwat, what did that moment feel like watching something like that happen? I mean, it's historic. It is historic. It was the it was a moment we'd been waiting for for a couple games now. We'd been counting it down since uh, 495 and just kept building, kept building. Then a road trip happened, and we all thought, is it really going to happen on the road? I mean, probably we're playing bad teams on the road. But... Maybe Crosby took some took his foot off the pedal a little so he could come home and do it against the Flyers, no less. It seems like the big goals always happen against the Flyers. Crosby's <laughs> 500th, Lemieux, what we thought was going to be Lemieux's last uh, regular season goal. It just the phenomenal stuff always happens against the Flyers, and that's a great part of this rivalry. It's just another chapter in it, clearly. We talked <clears throat> last episode about how the Flyers are a team that – no matter who's good or bad in the rivalry, it's always an equal match It's between these two. It's always uh, two level opponents, and when we talk about the game, we'll discuss how that's still relevant, clearly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. this goal specifically, it just feels special in the fact that we've, aside from Mario and Yager, although he got traded before these milestones could really come through, the Penguins have never seen something like this. You know, we've seen Mario, yeah. But then it's in this new era of hockey, we haven't seen it. And sure, the, the eras cross paths. I know it's kind of hard to really have this discussion because he's not the first one to do something like this in a Penguins uniform. There is Mario, but there's something special about Sid that uh, makes it feel new and fresh, makes it feel different. I think when Mario came up, when he got to Pittsburgh, I mean, we weren't around for it, but from all the stories we've told and all the documentaries we've watched, we've we kind of heard that it was expected that he would do that. Sid, it was expected, but at a different level. I think that we saw that the game was in a different era and that, you know, or, uh, Wayne Gretzky had been traded before. We saw Yager leave. It, the greatest are not guaranteed to stay. You know, you, go, you think of that going into every career. Um, but as time has gone on, we saw the skill and the ability that Crosby had um, and the fact that he's been able to play through so many injuries, so many issues, and able to finally reach 500, albeit you know later than we would have liked it, it's just good that he finally hit that milestone and we can have this discussion and celebrate it. Mm-hmm. He is the second active player 
to hit 500 goals. Of course, the only other one currently is Alex Ovechkin. Now, when you talk about the fact that, hey, it feels a little bit different than when Mario Lemieux did it. I mean, for us, it's because this is our generation's Mario Lemieux. I know the conversation is always there, but for us, we grew up, and when we were born, a lot of Mario Lemieux's career and a lot of those milestones and a lot of those great moments had either already happened or happened when we were very young and cannot remember it. So we grew up watching those highlights, hearing the stories about all those milestones, those great nights in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when Mario Lemieux did this or Mario Lemieux did that. Now we're finally at the point. Now we had Crosby, and of course throughout his whole career, there's been the Stanley Cups, there's been great goals, there's been you know the Olympic gold medal, the Winter Classic shootout winner, there's a lot. And we'll talk about our favorite Crosby moments here in a minute. But the thing is, now that he's getting to the latter stage of his career, he's hitting that 1,000th game mark. He already hit the 1,000th point a couple years back, but now it's really at a time where these milestones are big milestones. They're milestones that not many people get to, and his greatness, it's culmination of all of that, and the big thing about that is it's being in the lead that long. We have a quote here from Crosby, and part of what he says is, it's an honor to be able to have played in this league for as long as I have. That's what I think of when I think of these milestones, and that's the thing. We've seen him be great, his entire career, but now you're starting to see the milestones that are so big, so big that not many people get to them, that it is special for our generation, because we didn't get to see that with Lemieux, we were told about it with Lemieux, and now we're getting to see it with our own eyes, and Tuesday night was a special night at PPG Paints Arena, the fans there, they knew it, they acted accordingly, the players acted accordingly, what a great game for Matt Cullen to be behind the bench (laughs) at PPG Paints Arena, but it was just very poetic, and I think that goes to what, what you were saying as to why it feels different for us, especially from this generation who didn't get to actually see Lemieux do it, but were told about all those fantastic mm-hmm. times. And because we saw Sid, like like I had mentioned, battles, <coughs> excuse me, battle through his concussion issues, battle through mm-hmm. um, now, you know, the sports hernia, then a, um, a long list of other injuries, his wrist this year. It's something that we've seen him have to fight through and fight for and we're excited for him to reach this milestone not only for himself but for this team because when he got here this team wasn't where we would have wanted it it was almost not in the same damn city even with him on the team it was almost not in this city think about that that there was still work to be done goes through Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin could be could be celebrating this in Kansas City that sounds disgusting. Exactly. <laughs> it just sounds disgusting. Exactly. With Patrick Mahomes probably in the crowd. Um, yeah, part owner Patrick Mahomes instead of part owner LeBron James. Oh, uh, see, go. it all comes full circle. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's incredible that they're still able to play here and that it was able to happen in front of the Pittsburgh faithful. If you watch the highlights, the first break that Crosby had, the crowd knew um, what they were there for. The first break oh, yeah. before any goals were scored, um, you can hear the anticipation build as Crosby's carrying the puck in. Like, oh, this this is it. Get 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 ready. It was akin to like I mentioned Lemieux's last goal, where the puck gets loose and the crowd immediately realizes what's about to happen. Now Lemieux's carrying it in on a breakaway, and it's the crowd is half. It's about as loud as you a regular goal would be, and then he scores and it explodes. That's what it seems like for Crosby's first rush, but then. <laughs> then he passed it because Sid, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I said a few weeks ago that it, it would be appropriate for Sid to score on an empty net. I was very wrong about that. It would be appropriate for for him to score on a power play. That's what I should have said. 
The empty yeah. netter was From, wrong. I mean, it's about the power play, and that, of course, is where it came from. The entire aura around this goal and this milestone for him was just so poetic. I mean, first and foremost, the lone assist on the goal was Evgeny Malkin on the power. It's play. good that it was a lone assist and not a secondary to Chris Kunitz because that is the only one that would have made it more appropriate. I get Latang has a hundred <laughs> assists with him as well, but just something about those yeah. two, it's a little different. Well, I mean, Latang scoring the game winner kind of brought a full circle too, with Crosby on a two-on-one and looking him off and shooting the puck into the back of the net instead. I mean, it, it was a full circle kind of night. And then even if you look at it, okay, so it's his 500th goal, his 50th career goal against Philly, the 50th game of the season for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the 50th birthday for Yarmir Yager. So a lot of fives and a lot of zeros, a lot of 50s and a 1-500 in a very apropos game. And of course, that's a goal that he has scored many times, even against the Flyers from that spot on the power play. No angle. It wasn't his top shelf and as pretty as we've seen in he past. Didn't drop down but the hey, one he got it. Either. He got it in the net. No That's true. Knee. He didn't drop down the one knee. But I, I mean, you remember he scored there a couple times, even against Carter Hart, the one goal where there was basically no space, and he puts a top shelf back. I think it was like two years ago or something like that. So everything about this goal was poetic, and not always does that happen for milestones. And I'm just very grateful, and I'm sure a lot of Penguins fans are, and I'm sure Sidney Crosby is as well, very grateful that it could all play out in the way that it did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the full celebration afterwards of the whole team hopping on the ice to, you know, crowd around him. I saw, I forget who it was, someone tweeted at Tim Peel and was asking, uh, obviously, like, if, if the league lets it slide for milestones. Apparently, the team has to get approval from the league. That's what... That's what he said there too, but also they asked uh, Latang after the game, like, was this something that you know you guys had talked about? He's like, not really. I think it's just something that the guys felt, knowing Sid, that he would want all his teammates to be out there. So I, I really think it's just a thing where the refs look at it and they're like, I would know, like to know if they get approval before or after. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, because don't know. I'm sure I'm sure the league knows. Like, exactly. you're aware, obviously. So the league's probably just like. Yeah, okay, what are we going to do? Oh, well, that's a penalty because you're celebrating a milestone. I think so. more or less it's a pr- because it's not so much a no, I am trying to remember if players hopping the hopping the hopping the boards for anything. It doesn't exactly. happen. Exactly. I think it just kind of leads to a automatic call from the league, so maybe it is an approval afterwards thing, so there's no suspensions handed out, but it's an easy hey, milestone click. Yeah, and it's it's not like it's you know, Nathan Gerby scoring his 100th point. It's it's one of the yeah. best and biggest stars in the league scoring a big milestone goal. I think they did it for Ovechkin when he scored 700, if I'm not mistaken. But nonetheless, nothing's going to come of that. I yeah. hate this man. He's at 760 Good something. Lord. I didn't yeah. realize it was that high. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, this is just a small thing that we're harping on of curio- of curiosity of it has to come before or after the game because it's one of those things that you don't know if it's genuinely going to happen. And like yeah. and like you mentioned, True. we know it's a milestone, so the referees at the moment look the other way, which, I, which hey, we know happens all the time in, in, in the NHL. Referees just looking the other way on calls. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, I, I think if they would have called a, a penalty, they probably would have got a call from the league and probably would have been demoted to the American Hockey League. I don't think that's anything that went through any of those referees' minds. But uh, 
as we move on here, still talking about the Sidney Crosby thing, I'm going to ask you what your favorite Crosby goal is in a second, but I figured if we're talking about Crosby's 500th and what we thought of it and what it meant to us, we got to hear from the man himself. So here is Sidney Crosby on his thoughts of goal number 500. You know, you, you look back at different things, you know, over the last 16, 17 years, and uh, yeah, that's, that's a memory that, uh, you know, I'll always always hold uh, pretty close like you said with Gino assisting on it uh, with it being at home uh, against Philadelphia obviously you know the history of, of those two teams and um, yeah I think uh, everything that kind of went into it and obviously to get the win I mean it, it changes the whole dynamic a little bit when you're able to get the win at the end so um, yeah I think all those things combined just just made it for uh, a special night no I, I think just being able to be part of some great teams over the years, play with some great players, and um, it's it's a cool number. And uh, you look at guys who have scored 500 goals. It's I think it's just a privilege to be part of that company, and I appreciate the opportunity to have played you know this long in the league. I think when when you look at numbers like that, I think that's kind of where where my head kind of tends to go. So that is Sidney Crosby following the Penguins' 5-4 win over the Philadelphia Flyers, talking about his 500th goal. The one thing I take from that, you see how he smirked and how he smiled about when he's talking about, well, it's great to get the win. That is Sidney Crosby. And, I mean, this is this was said many times last night that it wouldn't have meant as much if the Penguins would have ended up losing to the Philadelphia Flyers. Nonetheless, the fact that they're in last place in the Metro and the Penguins are in first coming into that one. But the way that he smiled and basically said, you know, it feels a little bit sweeter to, to get the win. You don't want to remember that milestone with a loss. So you see the smile, and that's exactly what Sidney Crosby has been this his entire career. And you, you already talked about the pass early on that it, it was it's Sidney Crosby. He's a team-first guy. So when we talk about everything, all-encapsulating, this was a peak Sidney Crosby, you know, core memory, if you will, for Sidney Crosby. The core memory, yes. The win thing I'm very not surprised at because you think back of some of Sid's biggest goals and a lot of them happen during wins. We don't lose often when he scores. And the other thing too is he said it in the first intermission interview with Potash. Now it's now we have to go out and win. We're not working. The the party is over. You know, we and we just hope the the Flyers don't play party crashes. We've seen that happen plenty of times Mm -hmm. when it comes to milestones. Hey, it's someone's. You know, big 100th point and party crasher. 500 yeah. uh, goals and party crasher. We see it in the NHL all the time. Just because you score a big milestone goal or you are playing your 1,000th game doesn't guarantee you the win. It goes in all sports, clearly. No. But that's the thing. That's every Almost every time Sidney Crosby scores, this team has some success. They have a victory in their hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing, too, is you're look, when you're looking at – you said sits uh, smirking whenever he discusses his win. I want to know how he didn't crack a smile watching the replays of all the friggin' ridiculousness he's done over his career. Like, how does he not look at that goal <laughs> yeah. he scored against Montreal where he literally stopped it in midair and then hit it again out of midair? How, how, do you, how does he, even himself, just not go, huh, that was cool? We've seen a couple times over his career where he's even amazed himself. I mean, the one that comes to mind is his reaction after the New Jersey batted exactly. goal. Exactly. Just looking up to the sky and saying, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Which is a perfect segue to me asking you the question, what is your favorite Sidney Crosby goal? It's hard to pick one singular favorite, so I'm just going to shoot a couple out at you. I'm sure you have a couple as well. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the one that doesn't count because it doesn't count, and it was a shootout goal. Uh, the Winter Classic shootout goal, just because A, I was there, B, it was the first shootout, C, the snow. It was just a perfect moment. You talk about, we've been talking about perfect moments and uh, for milestones like this. That was a perfect moment for the start of the Winter Classic. The, yeah. the, the game's namesake player in the snow as it's coming down, in the shootout, which was still new and fun at the time, winning it that way. That one, like I said, it doesn't count, so I'm not going to let it be the favorite but it's one you always do have to discuss when discussing the aura of Sidney Crosby yeah. the other ones that always come to mind are the the comeback goal is an easy one against the Islanders mm-hmm. just of course we knew yeah. he was going to score that game and there he did it um, yeah the one that got played over and over and over again was that his uh, overtime winner against the Flyers in 05 mm-hmm. just because of course, that one. That's hard to say yeah. no to because yeah. of just the whole situation. And it because 500 came against the Flyers, it just made all the more sense to bring that goal back up all the time. Yeah. If you haven't yeah. seen it by now, where have you been for the last... Where have you been for the last <laughs> week, really? Go to YouTube and look it up. Just look up Sidney Crosby's greatest goals, and you'll have... That one will be one of the first ones shown, I would imagine, in most every single highlight yeah, pack. those three are probably the three main ones I always think of. But then you just mm-hmm. to tack on a few more. Like I mentioned, the Crosby one, or the Montreal one where he just bats it out of the air. Oh, another Montreal one, a shootout one that doesn't count. His first shootout goal against Montreal. Against Jose yeah, Theodore. In a one nothing victory, I think. Something, that yeah, game it was, was, it was weird. something ridiculous. Or it was like either that. it was that one to one. I don't remember. The shootout went like Lemieux, I think Recky, then Crosby. <laughs> that, what a re- hockey Hall of Fame lineup there for the shootout. Yeah, I have to look that shootout up, but that one also always comes to mind. Again, shootout doesn't count toward the toward the numbers, but it's just still fun moments. Like the, back when the shootout was fun, those moments happened. And then yeah. there was batting it out of the air against Dallas and then batting it out of the air against New Jersey because, you know. And then batting it out of the air against Montreal and then batting it out of the air against another team. He's just because, ridiculous. You know, he, and then batting it out of PNC Park. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's that as well. It's not net, technically a goal, but I guess we can say 500 goals, one home run. So that's perfect for there. Um, just a couple of my favorites before we, we move over and actually talk about the game itself. His sliding goal against the Tampa Bay Lightning back in 2007. Recky had the assist on that. Oh, my gosh. It, with, like, three seconds left was, in the period, they were down one to nothing. In the second period, it was under my seat, too. It was absolutely yeah. disgusting to see. Yeah. One of, like, the first pure goals of just amazement from Sidney Crosby on that one. Uh, his one-handed backhand goal is one that I always look at against the Buffalo Sabres back in 2017. He beat Robin Leonard when he just... Just went straight down Main Street, split the defense, had four Sabres like around him but not around him, and then just with one hand backhanding it up and over Robin Leonard's glove side to beat him. And then the other one, the OT winner against the Edmonton Oilers you know, in 2018 where he slices through defensemen, goes to the backhand, beats the goaltender. I think all three of those encapsulate some of what he can bring to the table, but he's brought so much to the table that you can't constrict that down into one goal or even a handful of goals he does it in so many different ways and he does it in so many different amazing ways that it's just so much fun to watch so with that in mind I do have a call to action here for our listeners of the tip of the iceberg before we get into the actual game recap 
Let us know your favorite Sidney Crosby goal. There's 500 to choose from. So I'm hoping we get a nice variety here. We just gave you an example of like eight of them there. But let us know your favorite Sidney Crosby goal. You can record it. That be either video or just audio recording. Either you can post it online and tag us at Iceberg Podcast. Or if you're not comfortable putting it out online, send it to us and direct message it to us at Iceberg Podcast. And it's going to be featured on next Monday's show. If we get too many, we're just going to do an entire episode of us responding to what you believe, what your, your favorites are. But if it's only a couple, it's going to go on next Monday's episode. So let us know your favorite Sidney Crosby goal. Again, just record it in any way you want to, video, audio, and send it to us. Just make sure we get it. If you want to post it online, tag us. If you want to just send it to our direct message, you can do that as well. But uh, with that, let's move over to the rest of the game because there was a game to be played. And in the second period, Penguins obviously didn't go go really, really well as they gave up three goals to Philadelphia in the second period to go down four to two after two. Then, of course, in the third, Penguins scored two goals in 18 seconds to tie it all up before Chris Letang in overtime able to slide it through the five hole of Carter Hart and the Penguins win it five to four in overtime to make that four straight wins for the Pittsburgh Penguins since the All-Star break. What did your you think overall of this game, obviously taking out the Sidney Crosby goal because we already discussed it for 20 minutes? Yeah, we did discuss it for a long time. But the overall of this game, uh, it was broken for both sides yeah. of the ice. Both teams didn't know how to play hockey for a long time. And not every goal, but most of the goals just seemed very... Fluky, out of touch, the goalie's not knowing what to do on both sides, and just it looked like a video game, almost, or a peewee game, one of the two, Would it, pick your poison, it didn't look good, yeah, it was just pure yeah, no, it was, uh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it made it for a more entertaining game, especially in the third period, when the Penguins, you know, roar back, and the fa- fans get back into it, and all of a sudden, you know, you never know what's gonna happen, Flyers get that power play, Shout out to Brock McGinn for being an absolute freaking warrior, taking that shot on the hand, going down. I did not expect, I thought, you know, he's going to be out for a couple weeks. He's back in like two minutes later, killing another penalty. Like, shout out to him. And honestly, with that, what what have you thought of McGinn? Because we never really talk about him. I mean, we, we've talked about him a couple times, but we don't ever really talk about our thoughts on Brock McGinn. This is his first season in Pittsburgh, and he was brought in as the, quote, Brandon Tanev replacement, but he's such a different player that just because he slid into that same role, that's where he, what he was told to be. But what have you thought of Brock McGinn so So you do far? mention the Brandon Tanev thing. That's where the thoughts are going to begin. Of mm-hmm. Just we expected this from him. But we quickly learned that he was going to be a different player. We tried, me and you at least, tried to not settle on he's going to be the Brandon Tanev replacement. We knew he was a different player. We knew he wasn't going to play the same mm-hmm. style. And that he was going to be different. And I think he's been yeah. solid he was also he's also just had a quiet year for the most part um we noticed him a lot more in the beginning of the season whenever we didn't have our stars and <clears throat> he was playing on like the second line you'll notice yeah. that then but he's settled into through his 47 games 10 goals and six assists which isn't terrible but again you remember he's playing on the somewhere in the bottom six i don't remember exactly but getting bumped quite a lot to the second line right now. He's, he played with Malkin yesterday. Yeah. So yes, he did. It's he's getting pushed around the lineup, which is okay. We we know he's a guy like Tanner that can play all over the lineup, wherever you need him. He's going to produce his own way, which is blocking shots, which is being the nuts and bolts kind of gritty ish player. Not exactly going to lay all the hits, but. Mm-hmm. 
be a grinder that can occasionally produce when you need him to, but also just be a piece. I don't really know how else to put it. He's a nuts and bolts guy. Yeah. he. I mean, the toughness was shown on Tuesday night, but this guy, I've liked what he has brought to this team. I'm very happy that he signed to a multi-year contract for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but again, not forever and ever, amen. Not a huge cap hit. I think it was a really astute signing by Ron Hextall, and, and so far, I think it's paid off. He's a guy that I trust to go basically anywhere in the lineup. Do I do I really want to see him with Crosby? Probably not. But do I like him on the on the side of Malkin? Yes. Do I think he'd be a great fourth liner if that's where we need him? Yes. I, I think this is a guy that fits in almost anywhere that you need him to be. So I've really enjoyed watching Brock McGinn and also, I mean, the way that he plays as well. I mean, he, he plays a tough-nosed style of game, but he's still quick. He's still good with the puck. And every once in a while, he shows that he has a pretty sneaky, underrated shot. I wouldn't say it's a top shot on the team. But he has a pretty good shot, and he is a threat to score. So I've enjoyed watching him. I think he's a great piece, and I, I think that's going to be a piece that, you know, you never know. It might be a dark horse to be a massive playoff performer. You, you never know. He has that He has that double OT Game 7 goal against the Capitals under his belt when he played for Carolina. So maybe we see something like that, and all of a sudden then he becomes a unsung hero in the city of Pittsburgh. You know, that is all it takes. <clears throat> we We remember the playoff. Uh, regimen of people more than we do the regular season for most guys and that could be one for him for sure he could be one of those quiet uh, pieces that explodes in the postseason it's just a matter of keeping him healthy and keeping him getting there like like we watched him block a shot with his hand and somehow not break it dude's made a steal that's at that point it's just luck because if it hits it 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 like one centimeter a different way, it might have shattered everything in his hand. So, but nonetheless, good play there by Brock McGinn, selling out something that a lot of these these players on the Penguins are able to do. I mean, they've really bought into Mike Sullivan's system, and that's something we've said a lot because Sully gets these guys to buy in. And I think in large part, Rutherford, whenever he was the GM, and now Hextall and Burke have brought in guys that are akin to potentially buying into the system. So I think they've, surrounded him with the right players and he's been able to get them to buy in. I think it's been great. Um, Casey DeSmith gives up four goals, but nonetheless gets his second straight win in less than a week. What are we thinking about Casey DeSmith right about now, Horwat? Oh man, it's, it's, it's backup goalie syndrome, I guess. Going to have your couple of good games here and there, but then you're going to play a dud and somehow get a win because the team in front of you was playing for something big. Mm-hmm. It's really hard with Casey DeSmith because we saw him just be extremely not good, then pull together some wins, and then this game happened where, yeah, you got a win, but at what cost? You're lucky you didn't face a shot in overtime, let's just be honest. See, I don't know about that because the third period, I thought he was, there were a couple times that he he gave me heart palpitations, but especially on that power play for the for the Flyers right after the Penguins tied it up, he made that great glove save. And he can't, you can't, you know, forget about everything just because of one save. But I thought he was on his angles really well on that power play or penalty kill, I guess, for the Pittsburgh. You Penguins. can regroup, yeah. And I thought he played really well. Yeah, in the you third. can regroup yourself. But I just say he's lucky to face a shot in the in the overtime just because of how wild overtime can be. One, yeah. we we just saw it. one shot can be all the difference, and mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe things break down a little differently, and it was a and the Flyers. You know, copped a 3-on-0, and that was their one shot of the overtime. Um, 
Yeah, he's lucky he didn't face a shot in the overtime at least, so we didn't have to question him and his ability in again in three on three. <laughs> but he pulled away a win, and overall, that's all that matters. But at the same time, you wish it didn't have to go to overtime. You wish he could have made some of the easier saves. I'm gonna just have to chalk it up to backup goalie syndrome. I'm glad he's figured stuff out for the most part, at least. We're not having the discussion mm-hmm. of by God we have to keep him in the lineup until Domingue is back, or we got to figure something out fast. The fact that Domingue is, you know, hurts, and we can put in Casey to Smith and feel a little better about ourselves. That's where we want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's where I'm at with Casey to Smith at this point, because earlier on in the season, I was like, this is an issue where I don't want to see him more than once every two weeks. Well, now we've seen him twice in a week. He's gotten the win both times. Obviously on Thursday, he played really well. The defense played spectacular in front of him and he got the shutout against the senators. This game, he struggled a little bit. He was a little all over the place. He was out of position a lot. He was, and I I said it on Twitter. I said, he looked like the first time you play goalie mode on shell. It don't understand how, touchy the sticks are and how quick you can move way out of position that's what he looked like he was kind of all over the place he gave me heart palpitations but here's the thing and I always say this if you're a backup goaltender your number one job obviously stop the puck but realistically your number one job give your team a chance to get two points and he did that in the third period he didn't do well in the first two periods especially in that second period I thought he was a little all over the place But in the third period, he gave his team a chance to come back. He gave his team a chance to get the two points. They went out there, and they took it. Now, the four goals he gave up, I'm not leaving all of that up to him. A couple of them were some very lucky bounces. One of them, you know, bad defense, gave him a two-on-one. It's not all his fault. Like we said, the game was broken. The game was broken. Exactly. But where I'm at with him is, I don't want to trade assets for a backup goaltender whenever he can potentially do what he's done the last two games. I know he didn't play well on Tuesday, but he played well enough to give the Penguins a chance to win. It's all I need from you. And I know that there are potential downfalls of not moving him. There is the fact that, hey, look what happened last year. You couldn't go anywhere else than Tristan Jari because you didn't have anybody back there. I'm sorry to break it to you. If you went to Casey to Smith last year, you were going to lose that series as well. I mean, and even if you didn't lose that series, even if he played well enough to beat the Islanders, you weren't winning the Stanley Cup without your starting goaltender. We saw it in 2013. Flurry was so bad, they put in Vokun. Vokun was good enough to get them as far as he could get them, but they were never going to win the Stanley Cup with Tomas Vokun. So I don't really want Hextall to trade for a goaltender at this point in time because there are other areas that I think could help the Penguins enough. Because if the problem in the playoffs that they don't win the Stanley Cup is because they didn't have a good backup goaltender, then that is just horse crap. They lost because they weren't good enough. Because if you're relying on your backup cold tender, if that's what you're missing to be a Stanley Cup champion, then that's just media jargon, and you were never going to win a championship nonetheless. If the Penguins are going to win a champion, it's going to be on the back of Tristan Jari. Would I rather them get a middle six forward winger? Yes. I'd rather them bring in a middle six winger. Would I rather them get another defenseman? Yes. Don't use assets, potentially Kasperi Kapanen, to bring in a backup goaltender, because at the end of the day, as long as DeSmith can give this team a chance to win. I don't care if he gives up five goals, but if he buckles down at the right moment and gives his team the chance to win, I don't care. As long as you get a point or two points when you're out there and let Tristan Jari have a blow. That's what has happened. Tristan Jari has played once since last Tuesday, and that was on Sunday. 
So, it's and it's especially considering how much Jari played in the first half of the season, considering the schedule. If you haven't looked at the schedule coming up in March, take a look at it and realize that, one, it's going to be a lot of fun hockey games because there's a lot of good teams. But, two, it's going to be a very, very tough run for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Usually a really good team in March. They're going to be put to the test. Several games against Carolina. Several games against the Rangers. Games against the best in the Western Conference. Talking about Colorado. Talking about Vegas. Talking about Minnesota. That's the type of schedule the Penguins are getting ready to face. And if Casey DeSmith isn't perfect, I don't expect them to be, but I just need them to be good enough to win the Penguins the game, or at least to give the Penguins a chance to win the game. That's what he did on Tuesday, and that's why I wouldn't be looking for a backup goaltender at this point, because he has proven to be, at the very least, able to get them two points. We can keep backup goalie in-house for now. Put it that way. The other thing, too, is you're talking, like, these goalies can give up goals. They can. They but well yeah. I it's got to be Grant Fuhr style. Just know when you got to make the right saves. You can give up 3 or 4. I mean, yeah, we don't have Wayne Gretzky in front of them. But if your team in front of you can be Sidney Crosby, if Kenny Malkin can get you 4, that's more than 3. Mm-hmm. I you always think I always think back in Grant Fuhr. You look at his numbers. He's a Hall of Fame goalie for sure. Those numbers don't scream Hall of Fame goalie. They don't. Yeah. But the fact that he was able to, if you watch his NHL 100 video, he would say to you, if, if going into a second intermission, if you're, if you've, if he's given up four already, <clears throat> he could say they're not giving up five. He's not giving up a fifth. That's the we need the goal, our goalie to do, whether it be Jari to Smith or Demang, any of the three. Yeah. Just don't give up the fifth. Have your team go out there and score your last one. Whoever has the mm-hmm. most goals at the end of the night is the winner. Sure, we like looking yeah. at goalie stats. We do. <laughs> we like looking at, well, he's only giving up two goals a game. We like saying, oh, he has a nine whatever save percentage. That's good. That's all well and dandy. Just long, but that means you, you're just giving your cha- your team a better chance of winning, and it is a matter of scoring for him now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not looking at Casey DeSmith's stats the rest of the season. I don't care. When he's in net... I want him to be good enough to give the Penguins a chance to win. They might not win every time. Just we're give past, them a chance. That's all I yeah, ask We're also for. past the point of a backup goalie making much of a difference. We're first in the division. We're holding on to it pretty well, I believe. Uh, I mean, the, the Hurricanes have four games okay. in hand, and we're only three points ahead of them. So. But we're, I, I knock on wood, almost guaranteed a playoff spot at this point. We're 20 points ahead of the Red yeah. Wings, yeah. At this point, we're, like I said, knock on wood, pretty much guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. We're not trying to fight for those three, four games that your backup goalie might win. At this point, mm-hmm. we're not worried about who's bad behind Tristan Jari. As long as they can pick up, you know, a win here and there. Maybe we can steal home ice advantage over just fighting to scrap into the playoffs because our backup goalie couldn't get a single win this year. Yeah, we're not worried about any more. I mean, we still may want one just to have the fancy goalie who might who we might be able to take into next year. Thinking of the future, mm. but that's a no. I mean, you're not. But I'm just saying if I'm saying if management <laughs> no. is looking at the Smith still and saying, hey, he's playing really well. Once Demin comes back, ship him off. A lot of things yeah. can still change. We don't know what management is thinking. We don't know if this was a tryout game. You know what I mean? Yeah, but 
that that's what we've been saying all year though we've been like all right since since the smith started so poorly we've always looked at it as like hey we're gonna take it a game at a time at this point i'm not taking it a game at a time the smith is the backup goaltender because Deming. i mean he's still in a walking boot the penguins just posted a picture 10 minutes ago and uh, louis Deming is still in a walking boot so you know what casey de smith is the backup goaltender for this team i'm gonna think and operate as if that is the, the fact and the law the rest of the season and i don't want to see them i mean if you can address it sure address it but i'd much rather see them address another middle six winger or another really good defenseman I, I like the penguins defense but i think one little added boost would be really helpful especially more than a backup goaltender yeah, for at this sure point. so um i like what you said there I like the conversation on Casey DeSmith, and we are going to cut to break, but before that, I do want to give another shout-out real quick to the Penguins' fourth line of, what is it, Brian Boyle, Zach Aston, Reese, and Dom Simone. Not only did they score a goal in the second straight game, but for the second straight game, that fourth line did not allow a single scoring chance to the Philadelphia Flyers. So great play from the bottom of the lineup for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Quick shout-out to them. And then uh, also, we're going to cut to break because... I've been shouting some people out. We have shout-outs and call-outs later, so somebody else is going to get shouted out. But uh, one person that would certainly end up on the call-out spectrum of that, that's Kasperi Kapanen. We'll talk about him coming up right after the break. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team in the association and get $150 in free bets if they win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-9789. 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat and in new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny at 467-369 welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're going to talk about Kasperi Kapanen a little bit. I know we've talked about him. He's been bad. We've talked about him potentially being on the trade block. We're 50 games into this season. I'm done with Kasperi Kapanen. Yep, we're here to done. discuss the problem child. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm done. Like, literally, cut, cut bait, done. Before, and you knew this, I was never really a big fan of Chris Kunitz. I thought he was 100% elevated by Sidney Crosby, and... Even when he would score, obviously, if Captain scores, and we're like, yeah, cool, Captain scored, nice to see him get it back. I hope he gets back to what he was doing last season, or at least a modicum of that. But right now, he is below replacement level. That is the way that he is playing, because if he is not scoring, he doesn't have the confidence to score, 
And right now, he's not even getting in the right areas. He's backing away from the net. When instead of driving the puck to the net, he doubles back. And, and then he makes a horrid pass that turns the puck over. He is, right now, the biggest liability probably in the National Hockey League. <laughs> I, 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 I might be over-exaggerating, but he is awful defensively. He is inept offensively. And it doesn't. It looks like he doesn't care sometimes. Now I'm, I'm not going to say that he doesn't because I don't know. I don't know Kasperi Kapanen. I don't talk to Kasperi Kapanen. I, I I don't know what he what's going on in his mind. But his body language is piss poor. I'm done with him. I'm done with him. If they trade him, great. I don't think they're able to trade him right now. You're going to have to strap something else to him to be able to get anything back in return worth of any value right now. Because other general managers in the league are going to look at him and be like. His contract's up at the end of the season. If I want to take a chance on a guy that has been crappy for 50, let's say he had one hat trick for 49 games out of 50, I'm just going to wait till the end of the season. That guy's not going to help anybody in the playoffs, and he's certainly not going to help the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I, I'm done with Kasperi Kapanen. Just cut and bait, done. Like I said, I hope he does well, but at the end of the day, if he gets brought out of the lineup, he's a healthy scratch, or he gets buried in the AHL, I don't care. I'm done waiting for him to turn it around because guess what? We're 50 games into this season, and he has been crap for 49 of those 50 games. <laughs> couldn't dis- couldn't agree more. Can't disagree with you. Just he's the streakiest player on this team right now. Nine games without a point. Point, not a goal. Streakiest player doesn't that mean he has to be on a hot streak at some no, point? There was, you know, the times there was a last season. Let's let's honestly look through his through his games here. Like I said, last nine nothing. The previous, well, hold on, I gotta, I gotta redo my numbers here. Well, the point is, the last nine, no points. He's a top six winger on this team. That can't happen. And it's the, the funny thing is too, it's not like his line isn't producing. Evgeny Malkin has points in every single game except for what two some, since he's returned. Like but as I just continue to roll through on my point of streakiness here, last nine is dead nothing. No points, not, you know, no points, not even an assist. The nine before that, he had eight points. That's pretty solid. You're talking eight points in nine games. You appreciate that. You know that there's something there. How, how many of those are goals? Uh, two, but I'm getting to that point. Damn it. Let me let me get okay. there. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll back off. I'm, I'm sorry. Prior to that, I mean, it was, a, again, his dead streak of a bunch of nothing. Uh, we know he started the season extremely cold of how many games was it before his first goal? Ten. It was, he was I on his tenth know. game. Hey, so he's due. He's due for a goal. In other words, um, yeah, I don't. I don't believe in due theory with him right no, now. No, but you know what? If you got five bucks to throw down on the uh, on the prop bet for him on scoring in the next game, hey, that might that might mm-hmm. cash you out a little bit. That being said, though, it's the issue with him has been goal scoring. Sure, he's collecting his assists every now and again, but even that has disappeared now. That's the point I'm getting at here. Like mm-hmm. the goal scoring has been bad and down all season we expected him to be much better in all aspects of the game going into this year the all of the predictions of he's going to be the breakout star the guy that's going to carry this team over the top whenever our stars are missing he'll be the piece and then it started cold and everyone else was covering for him okay good and then he got his hat trick and we thought he's back let's do this oh nothing came after that uh, but he, hey, he's picking up assists. You know what? He's not doing terrible. He's getting some. He's still helping out where he, in a way, he, he may not be at the level of breakout star. He may not be at the level of 
taking this team over, making a very good line mate for Malkin upon his return. But he's getting points. We're, we have some production out of him because he's helping this team win. Okay, now that's disappeared. We have nothing. We're fourth line? Sure, give it a shot. Still nothing. Back to the second. Hey, Malkin's back. Put it back to the second. See if the spark plug is still there. Still nothing. And we're out of ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, no goals. Through 49 games, 9 goals, 15 assists for 24 points. Last season, he only played in 40 and had 11 goals, 19, po- 19 assists for 30 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're talking about the problem child that, uh, man, when his stick got uh, stick lifted into the crowd, it's your first reaction in that situation shouldn't be throw it back. <laughs> that was my first thought there, was throw it back. Uh, you don't want that one. Request a different one. Can I trade this in for Evan Rodriguez? Oh my god, you want to talk about another problem child at this point? Not the, at least uh, at least Rodriguez looks like he's playing with nah. confidence though. Not even not that's even at, the level. at least not even that's at, the level. at least Rodriguez looks like he's playing with confidence. Kapanen, I thought, was around the puck a lot in the flyer game, had the puck on his stick a lot, doing nothing with it. Not the mm-hmm. right moves. There was a sh- he had a shot on goal that I we all thought for a split second trickled under heart. I, he should have passed that puck. I think. Malkin was streaking down. There was only one defender in front of him. We know Kapanen has the skill to beat one defender on a pass, right? Well, I, at this point, I don't know. We don't know. I mean, maybe he was looking for that goal to gain his confidence <laughs> again. I, and I can understand that. I'm going to try and defend Kapanen a little. But at the same time, I'm with you on this. And just, it's well, not good anymore. It's, yeah. it's This is ball game for him. See, in that instance, I was not upset at that. Try yeah, to get try, a goal. Absolutely. Try to get a goal, please. Because the rest of the time, the and, and Danny Shirey Irving put this on Twitter, videos of him last year driving the net, and that's when he scored his goals. Instead of stopping, waiting, hesitating, getting the puck taken away from him, passing it poorly to somebody else, or trying to cut to the middle of the ice and losing it. When I looked at him on Tuesday night, you're right. He was around the puck a lot. He was noticeable. When he did, when he had that, he didn't do anything exactly. with it. He had one missed shot where Malkin won the faceoff. He had a shot from a great angle. He just blatantly missed the net. Now it could have deflected off his stick, but still. There was barely anybody in front of you. You should get that shot on net. Fails to drive the net with the puck, I already mentioned. Missing passes leading to breaks for the Flyers. That happened a lot. The fact that I, I wrote it down and tallied a couple times that it happened. I think three or four times that it happened during the game. And then I'm glad you mentioned it. When his stick was chipped into the stands, he looked, oh, he looked like defeated. the controller yeah. died. What is your first reaction when you don't have a stick? In the offensive zone, go get a, a new stick. Sprint to get a new stick or to get somebody else onto the ice. I could have crawled, army crawled across the ice faster than he skated to the bench there. And you know what? Mike Sullivan took notice of that as well. I posted, wow, look at that. Kapanen's bench, and I know exactly why. That's why. In a tie game with... Less than eight minutes to go in the game. You lose a stick. First of all, grip that stick a little bit tighter. Come on. You, that was not, he was not hit or lift, stick lifted hard enough for that to send the stick over the thing. Hold on to the stick a little bit tighter. But I'm not going to hold that against him. Secondly, in a tie game, get back to the bench. I'm sure Sullivan saw that and wanted to just yank Kapanen's hair and throw him down the runway and be like, you're done. Because he didn't go out there for the next shift. 
and then the, the period ended, and he sure as heck, I mean, I know the overtime was short, he sure as heck was not going out there on the overtime. Sullivan, you could tell there was a, a blatant point to why Evan Rodriguez took that last second line shift over Kasperi Captain because it has come to a point where I don't think Mike Sullivan trusts him anymore. He looked defeated. And I don't either. Yeah, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. He looked defeated. And as a, when you're going through that kind of drought and that happens to you, mm-hmm. I, we get it. We, I'm sure we both understand of just, you just have that in mentally, just that feeling of, of course, this is how, like, this is what happens. Like, of course, mm-hmm. now I just don't have a chance to maybe dig this puck out and maybe make an opportunity. You just, you feel defeated and you feel, I feel for the guy. He looked just sad, but it's the wrong time. If the score was different, let's say we're up three. We, we maybe not talk about it this much. We, it's entirely yeah, different. We, but it's a tie game. You do have to just look defeated on the bench. Look defeated with a different stick in your hand. I don't know. He looked defeated skating off the ice. He, it took like eight days for him to walk through the door. Did you notice that part? The camera like was like stuck was stuck on the puck and he was still in the frame and it took eight days to get through the door. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not yeah, good no, anymore. Uh, just his body language, the way that he has played, I'm done with him. Honestly. Trade him if you can. If you can get anything back, trade him. If not, I don't care if he's a healthy scratch. When Zook when Zucker comes back, I would rather keep Brian Boyle in this lineup, when this lineup is fully healthy, than have Kasperi Kapanen in it. You know how bad you have to play to get to that point? Nothing against Brian Boyle. But Kasperi Kapanen, you mentioned, oh, he has nine goals. Okay. Well, three of them came in and one game. And we expected game. far... So if you take that game away from him, Brian Boyle has as many goals as Kasperi And Kasperi we also Kapanen. expected far more than nine. You, I wouldn't even... At this point in the season, we're 50 games in. We should be saying he has 15 to 20. Not nine. Even if you don't get the stats, like you could have bad puck luck. He's not even trying to create it. Jason Zucker's a guy that he's out there trying to create something. And if it doesn't go for him, okay, maybe he's not good enough, but at least he's going to go out there and give it his all. I would 100% rather see, like when Zucker comes back into the lineup, Zucker goes on cap where Kapanen is. I don't know where Kapanen goes because I don't want him on the fourth line. I don't want him in the bottom six. I don't trust. I don't think he's good in the bottom six because defensively, that the bottom six is where you want defensive hockey. Kasperi Kapanen in his own zone is worse than Alex Ovechkin when he was eighteen. Huh. Like that—that's where we're at at this point. I like I said, I don't, I don't want to go too harsh on the guy because you know he he could still turn it around. He has skill. He has talent. But there's a there's it's one thing to not have confidence. It's another one to look completely shell shocked in the game that you're supposed to be a professional at. And that's where he's at. And I'm just, I'm done waiting for him to turn it around because like I said, we're 50 games into the season right now. And he has shown zero life, zero life. Yeah. No, he, he, none, nothing. We, we saw the spark. We saw the spark of a hat trick. Okay. This is it. This is where we, we, we don't talk about the first nine anymore. The hat trick came. He's got his confidence. Yeah. Streaky ever since, goal scoring wise and point scoring wise, really, just all around, just nothing's happened. He has in the in his last nine, like we're harping on with no points, uh, sixteen shots. That's also not enough. Let's just say it. That's yeah. not averaging two a game. That's not averaging three a game, four, whatever he wants to be at, whatever we expect him to be at. Like I said, we're at the fifty game mark. With. The amount of people that were down at the beginning of the season and the kind of pedestal we were putting him on to start, he should be at 15 to 20 goals, not under half of that. 
It's just he should have been yeah. the guy taking this team over. It's what we wanted. It's what we were all expecting. And it just seems like last year was a flash in the pan. And it's even weirder when you think he played in Toronto and was decent. Good player. Good penalty killer. What is going on this year? And it's... uh, Maybe it's just a one-off year, but the one-off year is coming at a bad time. We are expecting success. We are expecting a lot more from him. And... Boy, oh boy, find your find your gold somewhere else. Yeah, I, no. It's uh, really hard like to have said, a discussion I'm... about a player who would definitely kick our ass in all sorts of aspects of life. But every everybody on that team, I'm not I'm not <laughs> yeah. pretending to say that I would do this right. any better. But, but listen, I sit here I sit here and talk. That's what I do for a living, and I'm I'm done talking about Kasperi Kapanen potentially turning it around because I I just don't see it. I don't see the effort on his part, and I think that's why I'm I'm done with it. It's it, yeah, it it's hard to put into words. I mean, mm-hmm. in these last nine games, he's still played a decent amount of shifts, averaging about 14, 13, 12 minutes a night. There was that one game where he was on the fourth line. He played eight. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's this is a conversation that really doesn't have a solid. Here's a conclusion to to the conversation because the conclusion ends in disappointment and a waste of a season for him yeah well it's contract year for him too so he's burning oh, he but uh we're gonna take a quick break when we return shout outs and call outs and we're gonna start with call outs so we can go at the negative stuff out and we can finish on a high note so i can we can go on with the rest of our day in a happy mood so uh shout outs and call outs coming up next hockey fights lifestyle and tales from a first round draft bust We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. Horwat, we got to finish this off with shoutouts and callouts as we do every single week. And like I, I mentioned at the end of the last segment, let's start with callouts, keep this negative train rolling for a little bit, and then switch it around and finish with shoutouts. So starting off, your callout. For, what, for, for this the week. third week in a row, I think it is, we're going to discuss Wordle. Um, the New York Times <laughs> have put it. this game on hard mode. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen some of I still haven't I lost. I still haven't lost either, but this game is on. I didn't play yet today. Today's hard as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Th- they put this game on hard mode, and some of these words recently, ulcer, cynic. Who's getting these? Me. I got cynic on the third try because I'm like, I'm a cynic. This is a word. Got it. And I was like, that makes sense, doesn't it? I didn't know how to spell ulcer. I did, yeah, I'm learning how to spell words. That is the <laughs> I was like ulcer? That is the only benefit I'm getting from the game being on hard mode right now is that I'm learning how to spell words. That's what it's for. New York Times is trying to educate America. Yeah, but you know what? This is it's so damn hard. They're throwing in these double letters, these silent letters, these I think the easiest word over the last week was Robin. And that was kind of hard to come by. And I struggled and, and with Robin. People struggled with it. <laughs> it's not easy anymore. 
and I don't like it. Can we? And not that it was ever easy. Let me just put that up, put that out there now. But it's on hard yeah. mode now. It's you can t- it, the vibe is so much different with it since it joined New York Times. And also, like you mentioned, your scores went away. Mine went away for a day or two and came back. So, well, I'm glad yours came back. Mine still haven't. Uh, my streak is at five, and I can I can, I got the Twitter receipts to show that I am way more on a five five word word streak, and I am at 100. percent I mean, I'm still at 100 percent too. I think my streak. I don't forget where my streak is at, but not worried about the streaks or the numbers. I'm just worried about this game being hard now. Yeah, I've still yet to see somebody post a loss. I, I've seen it, and I like I said, I will if I if it ever happens. But well, yeah, damn, this is why are you gonna brag about it when you get it right if you're not gonna be like, ah, they got me today. Like, but damn, this is so brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got I still got to play today, so I'm excited. That's what I'm gonna do right it's after this not recording. That easy. But uh, <laughs> I, I I know. Uh, my call out goes to the National Football League because obviously Super Bowl Fifty Six happened this past Sunday. I enjoyed the game. Good things I had people yes. over. A lot of good things happened. I liked the halftime show. I loved the food that I was eating. Shout out to my fiance Kayla. She made ninety percent of it. I made the buffalo chicken dip though. Uh, so shout out to me for that. Um, but I do call out the NFL because at the end of a Super Bowl, there's always the awkward moment that nobody really gives a shit about. But it really bothered me, and it's it bothers a lot of people other too, but nobody really, like, they just ignore it. I hate that the owner is the first person to touch the Lombardi Trophy for the winning team, and the first person to be interviewed. I don't want to hear from Stanley Kroenke about the LA Rams, him saying, we want it in our house. No one cares, dude. Give it to the MVP. I understand football doesn't have one strict captain. Give it to the Super Bowl MVP. Give it to the coach. Give it to the people that earned it, not you who just signed a check. I understand that it's important for you, it's great for you, and you deserve to touch it. You deserve to have that moment on the field. That does not be the need to be the first person that is interviewed on national TV and the first person that gets to touch the Lombardi Trophy. I think the NHL does it best. The commissioner gives it over to the captain of the team, and then he takes it to the rest of his team. I think that is the best way to do it. And I do, like I said, I, I agree. The owner, eventually, he should get it. But after all the players, after all the coaches, at the very least, other people might, like trainers, should probably get it before him because they've worked and been there on a day-to-day basis. So, I mean, Crunky has the opportunity to win a Stanley Cup too. He owns the Colorado Avalanche as well. So it could be a nice year for him, but he's not touching that Stanley Cup until everybody in the burgundy and blue get it before him if indeed they do win but I, I just I really didn't like that um but that is also just the NF, NFL though they suck off their owners more than any other any other sports league luckily the Steelers have the Roonies who I think are a little bit more humble but again I've never met them they just seem a little bit more humble in what they say but you know that interview with with Kroenke it pissed me off so that's that's where I'm going with, with the call out the NFL stop giving it to them and also why do we have so many people on that podium okay so yeah the the trophy presentation for the nfl makes the least amount of sense to me mm-hmm. because you mentioned the owners up there now i get that the owner should get their notice at some point yes being the first one i it's hard to first of all name all 32 nfl owners go ahead name all 32 nhl owners that's the other thing too is that in the nfl these teams are owned by families and names other sports leagues they're owned by companies like who are they like like the penguins are exactly well i mean they're still gonna toss lemieux out there which is fine well yeah which is what they've been doing but let's say the leafs if the penguins win can we get lebron james on the ice we have to 
That's his investment. <laughs> we have to. Or at, at least get him to the parade. Okay, that's that's a conversation for a different day. But when, if if and when the Leafs finally do it, they're owned by a company. Who's their owner? Yeah. Like, let's say that Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Let, let, let's say the way the NHL did it is how the NFL did it. Who are they handing it to? Who? You're just going to pick whoever the head of that CEO. Yeah, picking the CEO. Who's that? Go ahead. Us two plebs. Who's the, who is it? I'm sure. I know Brendan Shanahan has a really high role in MLSE, but I don't know if he's the CEO. It. I don't know. Or we know the Canadians are owned by the Molsons, and we could pick out John Molson, right? I think that's who it is. Um, yeah, but know. these teams are owned by companies. In the NFL, they're owned by families, yeah. so it makes a little more sense. But again, give it to the guys who earned it. And also, the NFL is full of yeah. owners that nobody likes. Yeah. No yeah. one likes Stan Kroenke. No one likes Dean Spanos. No one likes the, the Pagulas. Well, they do in football terms. Nah. More in football yes, than that's Buffalo. They, they like Buffalo him Sabres. in football more than they do in hockey, but that's a different conversation. So... It, Dolan doesn't Dolan own the Giants or something? I forget who owns the Giants now. I think so. Dolan owns somebody. Yeah. But then there's the Roonies. It it I you're right. I don't like that the owner gets it first. It's a thing that happens every year, but we never discuss it. I saw someone finally brought it up right. this year before you mentioned it now. Mm-hmm. So it's it is strange, especially whenever we don't like the guy. I don't know why we don't yeah. like these people. I don't. I haven't paid that much attention to why we don't like Spanos, Crunky, Dolan. It's not that I don't like them as much personally, is that I don't need to see them with the trophy. That should be something that, hey, somebody takes a picture and posts it on the social media, but that's it. I don't need to see an interview with that person. Like, I get it. I get it in Lemieux's case for the Penguins because he played for this team. He saved this team. There's certain circumstances that I understand it. But, yeah, like when the 49ers were in the Super Bowl a couple years back, I would understand it if, I don't, Lynch, John Lynch, is their general manager. I understand it if he gets interviewed. I understood it when John Elway got interviewed when the Broncos won it. But Kroenke is literally just an old white dude with billions of dollars that bankrolled this team. I understand he has a part to play. I understand he deserves to, to you know, see it, get his little mini replica. But that does not need to be the first person that you're interviewing on national television. I guarantee you everybody looked at that and was just like, I don't know who that is and I really don't care. People that don't know, but I'm sure the people that do know look at it and say, I know who that is, and I really don't care. <laughs> who gets it in baseball? I know they do the MVP, and the whole team is up there, though. Like, the whole team. The whole team is there at the same time. Like, who does the, uh, I don't know. It's the, the, the lifting. It's. <laughs> I think the manager. That's cool. Especially because they wear a uniform. I think it's the manager. I don't know. I don't really usually, like, once this the World Series ends, I watch the pileup, and I don't really ever, I don't think I've ever watched the trophy ceremony for the MLB. I know I did when the Yankees won it. That's because I was watching it. Uh, I think I did when the Nationals won it, but again, I was watching it. I don't know. Uh, Just The NFL doesn't do it right. You're correct on that. Give it to the MVP, Mm -hmm. give it to the coach, and then figure out a way to have the – it's a small trophy. That doesn't help either. Well, yeah, is that the smallest trophy in the major sports? Of the big four, yes. of the big four, yeah. The I was about to say the NBA trophy is similar, but that basketball on there that is, thing's also uh, kind of hefty. It's is, is hefty. hefty. Yeah, it is, it is. It is. It's got some girth. Well, I mean, you have seven foot players holding it. If it was small, it would look like a little. Uh, wait, that's like that's a right. There's seven foot. Those are seven foot men carrying the thing. That thing is bigger than we imagine. I think. Now that we're really thinking about Probably. it. Probably. 
Yeah, pro it's probably too big for, like, behind me. It probably would not fit on the desk behind me. But um, nonetheless, let's let's finish it off with shout-outs because we've had a lot of negative here in the past 20, uh, 30 minutes. So let, let's get positive to end this show, and uh, I'll, I'll lead it off with this one. Uh, two hole-in-ones at the Waste Management Open on hole 16. You gotta oh, love it. You absolutely have to love it. I mean, Sam Ryder on Saturday, Carlos Ortiz on Sunday – Two hole-in-ones, same hole. Obviously, the, the whole position was different, but the craziest hole, the most unique hole in all of golf, getting two hole-in-ones in one weekend. Um, the one on Saturday, Sam Ryder, was the first hole-in-one on that hole since Francesco Molinari did it in 2015. The last time that two people did it in one weekend was 1997. Steve Stricker hit one of them, and Tiger oh, Woods hit the other did. one. So, I mean... In golf, I feel like everything is six degrees of Tiger. Because if something happened, Tiger had to have been connected to it somehow in the past. So that's what I thought whenever I looked this up. And I was like, oh, Tiger Woods did it back in 1997. Of course he did. So um, just crazy scene. Beer coming out of everywhere. They had like a 20-minute delay to have to clean up the hole. I mean, only stuff you're going to see at the Waste Management Open at TPC Scottsdale. So I would love to go to that one year. I think that would be so much fun. I saw people line up at that hole at like five in the Ooh. morning to get a spot there. So I think that would be amazing. But if you just look it up online, just it was a, it was so much fun to watch. And I'm sure those guys had a lot of fun after they hit that hole. In Tack one. it on the bucket list. I'd love to go to that. Yes. I don't yes. even care what day it is. Give me a Thursday. Fine. Whatever. I'm there. I'm watching golf at the littest hole in golf i don't know how else to describe it the the hole in ones were phenomenal the the absolute mayhem that ensued from both of them were great i don't care what anyone says that's good for the game man because you know what that is that's entertainment value you're bringing oh, yeah. in new eyes you're bringing in people that look at that and say well golf can't be that hard watch these guys hit hole in ones when it's only however many uh, yards away then they'll go on to their crappy public nine hole course and they'll shoot a 280 and be like oh wow this is harder than i thought now i want to get better at it because even <laughs> when you're bad at golf when you're golfing is fun it depends how much exactly you drink. It, and look at how many drinks were had <laughs> oh my god just yeah, that hole that's... was so much fun to be at did you see the video of them cheering on the guy replacing the hole like how no like, i did not like the ground that. screw that has to like it happens every morning at a golf course every hole position changes yeah. With the with the big machine, not the big machine, but like the machine that digs into the ground, and he was hyping it up. Like you hear, like the crowd doing, getting into it was he sticks into the ground, starts cranking the lever, and he slows it down and stops, mm -hmm. and he's listening for the crowd. The whole crowd's into every aspect of that hole, and it's awesome. Yeah, um, I don't care what anyone says about that being bad for the game. That was my original uh, call out until I decided to change it. It happens once guys it's, it's one, one weekend out of the year and it's great for the it game is one hole of golf out mm -hmm. of the however many holes you play all year it is one yeah four holes fine you play it four times it's four holes out of however many you play all year who gives a yeah. damn if you're that oh and then there was the guy who flashed the crowd with just pulled his shirt up. yes he flashed he pulled his shirt up at the end oh my this is incredible stuff this is so fun yeah. just have fun these old heads just have fun. It's the discussion we have yeah. every time there's a fight in baseball because someone watched their home run. 
or threw their bat a little too hard for somebody. Or swung on a 3-0 pitch, which is Who stupid. gives a damn? To the pitchers and the yeah. old heads that don't like golf being fun, have some fun. You're allowed yeah. to have fun, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So one last thing about golf before we give it, I send it over to you for your shout-out. Uh, speaking of golf, the Penguins, teammates and ownership, gifted Sidney Crosby with a trip to St. Andrews in Scotland. Scotland. So, yeah, shout out to that for his 500th goal. I love that. I'd, I'd love to go to St. Andrews. Add that to the bucket list, too. Um, I, that, and that leads so, perfectly uh, into my uh, shout out because we discussed the first 20 minutes of the, sh- of the episode. Um, it is yeah. just Sidney Crosby for 500 goals, giving us a childhood and now an adulthood to remember forever. Um, yeah. And now he's getting a, a gift, the gift of St. Andrews. I hope he takes the spin doctor with him. The, you want to talk about an old, <laughs> yes. old shout, an old, old uh, uh, inside joke? Mention. Yeah, um, yeah, that's good for them. And like I did last week with the Brad Marchand call, I'll just go back and listen to everything we said before. I'll keep this quick so we can wrap this <laughs> yeah. episode up. But uh, shout out to Sidney Crosby. Five hundo is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And like we said earlier, make sure you send us your favorite Sidney Crosby goal of all time. Honestly, it could have been that one on Absolutely. Tuesday. I mean, the moment was great. So send us your favorite Sidney Crosby moment of all time. If there's only a couple, we'll be talking about it on Monday's episode. If there's a lot, we'll be doing a special episode next week. Having we want, If you send it in, it's going on the air somewhere. So let us know. And if you don't want it on the air, honestly, just, just send it to us as well and, and let us know. But that is going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. The Penguins, we didn't even talk about this. The Penguins play the Toronto Maple Leafs on oh. Thursday and the Carolina Hurricanes on Sunday. So it's going to be a, an interesting weekend. We'll break it all down when we come back on Monday, and that's going to do it for this one. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from so please subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts we are brought to you by the hockey podcast network you can visit them on twitter at hockeypodnet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com every team everywhere